This video is kindly sponsored by Project Red. Check the link in the description to find out more. This video is made possible by 3D Musketeers, offering full-service product development, prototyping, and production, helping you make awesome from art to part. Links in the description. Hello everyone! Welcome to this week's Meet a Maker. Today I am very, very excited because we are talking to a dear friend of mine, Joe Spania. Hello, Joe. Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Good. Uh, this is, uh, it's been a crazy day already and I'm really excited to be on this side of the microphone. Yeah, uh, normally you're on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> you actually the first interview I ever did on Makers on Tap. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I remember like getting all excited and setting up my laptop and like freaking out about it for days beforehand. <laughs> you yeah. handled it well. You really? handled it well. Oh, like a true good. professional. Well, thank you for inviting me on. That was awesome. <laughs> and you guys were so comfy to talk to as well. So um, yeah, I think I learned a lot. <laughs> good. Yeah, we, we tried to be as welcoming and inviting as possible. So. You definitely are. I I have felt yeah. You and 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 Aaron and Chris, you've all been just so welcoming of me, and I feel like you've introduced me to so much of the maker community. I just feel really really blessed to to have known you and and to be involved in like VERF and stuff that that so, we've done and and Ignite Peoria and stuff. It's just very lovely. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute blast, and like. Uh, you helping us host all of those things has been immensely helpful, uh, like more than you know. So <laughs> thank you. Well, yeah, very, very fun. But here we want to talk about you. So tell us about you. What? Who are you? What do you do? What are you known for? What do you want to be known for? <laughs> oh, what do I want to be known for? Um, so my name's uh, Joe Spanier, and um, I make stuff. Uh, I'm probably most well known for right now, uh, the makers on tap podcast that I host with my friends, Aaron and Chris. And, um, yeah, we do, we try to do it weekly. It hasn't been weekly lately, but we do a, a pod, regular podcast where, um, we bring people like Billy on and we just talk about making stuff. Um, or sometimes we don't bring anybody on and we talk about making stuff and, um, <laughs> the struggles and um you know sometimes they get really real uh but they're they're tons of fun um yeah but in my maker life i'm really heavy into digital fabrication so if it is machines making stuff i'm probably into it uh but i don't like making the things with the machines i like building the machines way more um so i build CNC machines. Um, I have a whole shop full of CNC routers and retrofit mills and lasers and 3D printers that I've built over the last 10 years. And uh, that's kind of been my thing. And so. you do it like so amazingly well, like, and you just have, how did you, how did you get to know so much about CNC and, and, and 3D, like, oh, I suppose 3D printers are kind of CNC, but how did you get into all that? Because you really have accumulated such a wealth of knowledge like it's really obvious whenever you talk about it <laughs> so how did you how did um, you get to there <laughs> be incredibly obsessive um so hyper-focused kind of deal <laughs> yeah yeah it, but like never stop um 
so I actually got into making CNC machines and stuff through uh, my job, which at the time I was a CNC programmer for um, Caterpillar. They make large yellow <gasps> earth moving equipment. Yes. Um, yes. And I we even I have those here. <laughs> and I had fun, but like I could tell that I wasn't as focused on my job as I should have been when I compared myself to my coworkers. And I spent a lot of my time researching uh, the best filtration methods for cichlids and uh, building <laughs> out aquariums and stuff and not researching like feeds and fish speeds. A tangent to the maker community because I swear, so like I keep fish. I know Angus keeps fish. It's like a thing. <laughs> like, it's lots yeah. of makers who keep fish. Sorry, such a tangent, but continue. No, not at all. <laughs> um, we can go back to that. Um, but uh, I, I said, okay. I have to figure out how to make my job my hobby for at least a little while so I could care more. Um, mm -hmm. It's the only way I can. So I started talking to some of the maintenance guys that worked on the machines all the time. I was like, how could I build one of these at my house? And uh, this was 10 years ago. So like kits didn't exist. It, they kind of did. They were starting to. Yeah. And um, the Sureline uh small benchtop mills and lays existed and they had like cnc retrofit kits at the time and there was a company called probotics that uh built the fireball cnc and it was a little desktop cnc router and uh, so i found those guys and then i found out that they their shop was five minutes from where i worked no way yeah that's awesome <laughs> um, so i i bought their like three axis CNC kit. And I found these uh, plans called the Rocklith CNC plans, which look an awful lot like a Prusa or, ah. uh, you know, it's like, like a bed slinger bed. kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Fixed, fixed gantry. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went there to pick up my three axis kit and I met the owner Lynn and um, a guy who I had known from a past life as a car audio installer. Uh, we worked for rival car audio shops and I walked in and I was like, Oh God, Jeremy's here. Is this going to be okay? And he kind of looked at me and we had this moment of like, it'll be fine. And then you know, we ended up becoming really good friends through the CNC community. That's awesome. And, um, you know, it just became kind of an obsession for like four years until I found 3d printing. Yeah. And um, I actually got two different promotions out of building my own CNC and like caring enough to write my own post processors and learn more about cam and all of that stuff on my own time. Um, they resulted in me moving into uh, manufacturing research and supporting a huge five axis CNC machines and uh, robotics. And then I went into true research where I was running the research projects and diving into um, robotics and uh, which actually leads me to a later tangent um, that has a little tangent. bit to do with what we talked about a couple days ago. Um, and then that was what led me into 3D printing uh, was a guy in the research group had bought a whole bunch of um, Prusa Mendel kits mm -hmm. and mm -hmm with the idea that he was going to start a print farm in his apartment. 
uh, because like at the time it was the whole print it forward idea, right? You, yeah, you you built a a Mindle and then you made kits and you sold them for $35 on eBay. And that was what we did. And Mm -hmm. uh, so he had one of those and I bought it from him for a couple hundred dollars and I built a Prusa Mindle and it didn't print well. Oh, <laughs> that was kind of how it was, though. I think it, that was it that was. era of like really dodgy prints, which almost almost spoiled it a little bit because everyone expected it to be awesome. And then it was like not awesome. And then now they are awesome. But people still have that tainted view when they're outside the community. I think like the community. Knows. Yeah. yeah, it's like a I little mean, bit. It, it definitely <laughs> like went on the corner of my bench for like six months and a kilogram of filament lasted me like two years. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it, it just didn't work very well. And then I ended up in additive manufacturing research at work wow. and I saw what good 3d prints really looked like. And I was like, yeah. All right. I'm all about the underdog, right? I, I've, <laughs> I've never had an iPhone. I've never had like a Mac. I always buy like the, uh, the little guy and I'm like, I'm going to make it as good as the big guy. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to make the Prusa print as good as this thing. And it was a Stratasys machine. And uh, gotcha. I did. Um, That's awesome. But it took a lot of work and a lot of uh, talking through the community. Uh, this was back when Google Plus was a big deal. Um, I was going to ask, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was how I met people like Eric. And then mm-hmm. uh, Eric Lean. And then um, once I figured out how to make that thing print even a quarter well it was it was an obsession and mm-hmm. I, I started designing 3d printers started going to rep rap fest and just meeting everybody i could and constantly talking to people and constantly learning and yeah it was like drinking from a fire hose for a few years <laughs> i i definitely feel that yeah <laughs> yeah that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. And so I just, I, it's a few concepts back, but I love the idea of you recognizing that you weren't fully engaged in your work and then making the decision to turn it into a hobby so that you would become engaged. Like, I reckon that's just a really interesting thought pattern and something I, I suppose I hadn't considered before in my own life, but I love that that's where you went with it. Cause clearly you were very successful going down that path and you actually did genuinely come to enjoy it. So I don't know, did, is that something you came up with or did you hear that from somewhere? Or I just, I wanted to reflect a little more on that. I think that's just the coolest thing. Yeah. Well, I like, I really like engineering. You know, I went to school for uh, man- manufacturing, engineering, mechanical engineering and electrical engineering. It just depended wow. on time and place i only graduated from one of those but i did all of it um they kind of call that mechatronics i think now don't they, they yeah kind of that was kind of what i ended that. up with i, I actually cool. i went to school for i graduated with an industrial engineering degree so oh. i really should be a quality engineer i have no idea how to do that um <laughs> <laughs> well industrial is cool too because you got the design as well you just have a bit of everything with all of those that's awesome like no wonder yeah. you're so good at what you do it's so broad knowledge behind you yeah i i ended up in a lot of the right places that was mostly (laughs) well you seem to talk to a lot of people so that probably helps (laughs) yes uh it was uh, i knew i wasn't going to make a good living breeding fish (laughs) yeah uh, (laughs) they sell for like six bucks or whatever (laughs) well i probably could have 
but like Cichlids it wasn't in cards special. for me yeah. at the time and i i wanted to stay in engineering i really liked what i was doing but i i knew i needed to be able to focus more on it and mm-hmm. i just kind of recognized that like I, if i am not like driven by it i'm probably not going to focus on it and it was just kind of one of those key moments right mm. um so i I was learning how to program uh, industrial robots at the time, learning how to program CNC machines at the time. And it was, there was so much learning going on. And then I was learning how to do completely different things on my spare time. And one of them really kept my interest. And one of them was like, ah, gotta look at this again. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 And I just wanted to make my own stuff. And it's hard to care about making a gear day in and day out if you never see the end result of that gear mm-hmm. like if the gear is the end result it's like eh, it's a gear gear manufacturing yeah. is like a wild world of numbers that are theoretical and don't make any sense and it's like well you know if we make this imaginary tangent here and we do this here <laughs> we get the module with the tooth geometry and uh also if we rotate it at this speed while we're cutting it we'll get a proper involute angle and it's like what are you yeah what black magic did, <laughs> who came up with this somebody much smarter than me um yeah. but i could program All calculus is like that to, to me it. i'm just like i can't I can't <laughs> the only calculus i get is vector calculus and i think it's because of 3d printers <laughs> like probably space. and then everything else i'm just like why is there 50 different rules for slightly different things i can't remember work out what to apply where yeah I, i'm yeah, not sorry. good at math i never have <laughs> i used to be but then i stopped and then i tried to go back to uni and i was like what even is this <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's all gone <laughs> anyway yeah sorry such tangent no no, no. yeah that, that's gonna be this whole podcast so um sorry <laughs> <laughs> i think they're used to it i i i mean yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're not <laughs> side, don't know what they're doing here. Is really what yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. Nothing pod and succinct about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> ah, very cool, very cool. Um, so you you obviously dove into three D printing. We we were touching upon that, and then what happened? Like, where did you go from there? Because you're not still working for Caterpillar now. What what happened in the in between? <laughs> oh, so. You don't have to. Um, no, it's fine. I uh, <laughs> I had this moment. I was like, I think it was 31 or 32. And I really had the realization that working is trading life for money units. Uh, yeah. Trading time for money units, right? So um, time is the one thing we don't get back. Money units we can always make more of. Um, and... I was doing cool stuff. I had started a corporate makerspace. I had uh, done the corporate initiative for desktop printing, like across the world. I deployed like 400 lull spots to That's people amazing. in China, India, Germany, Italy, all over the US. Um, and then was like their point support person for a while. And that was interesting. Um, and this was back when 3D printing was hard. Mm. Uh, this was before auto bed leveling. <laughs> before PLA and before, yeah. <laughs> PLA had just become a thing. Um, yeah. 
all metal hot ends were like becoming a thing. Um, no auto med leveling, but um, <laughs> even though I was doing really cool stuff, I wasn't happy. I was like coming to work every day and I was like, I wonder if this is the day where I'll get fired. And I didn't <sighs> feel bad about that. And that was when I was like, hmm, I should probably start figuring something else out. Mm. And um, so I jokingly made a comment to one of the sales representatives at Lulzbot. They had flown to Peoria for the opening of our corporate makerspace and they brought us two prototype test sixes. And it was it was really cool. Um, and I was like, you know, you guys ever need a remote? anything let me know and they went back and they had talked about it and they called me and they're like got a couple positions open you should apply for one yes (laughs) all right so i did and i got the job and um it was a moment of you know how people say never meet your heroes Mm -hmm. um it was like that uh, <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> I guess Lulzbot now isn't Lulzbot then. It's a it's a completely different company with different ownership and probably I hope different corporate philosophies. But on my first day, I I had a moment of like, what did I do? Uh, mm-hmm. Was this a good decision? <laughs> and it was, but it wasn't. Uh, it was because it got me out of my corporate job. It got me out of the golden handcuffs. And into a realm where I could really be me and not mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, put on the collared shirt every day and like hope that I don't make the wrong person mad. Um, but I feel it, it this wasn't... so hard. Sorry, I left yes. my corporate job this year and I'm like, yes, I feel this. Yeah, yeah. continue. Sorry. <laughs> but it wasn't because Lulzbot <laughs> was insane to work for. Um, so I spent nine months there. Uh, working remotely and um, I learned a lot about myself working remotely uh, as a remote engineer mostly that I probably had ADHD and uh, like things like my coworkers reminding me to go eat was a really big deal because now I didn't have coworkers to remind me to eat uh, um, yeah yeah and like organizing my time was really hard and um, but it was a really cool experience and then I had an opportunity to go um, work at a startup, local startup that do- was doing some really amazing things with natural textiles and making them like high performance fabrics. And oh, uh, yeah. it was with a team of people from my makerspace and we were basically like taking lab scale to industrial scale and we had like free reign of how to do that. So that's so cool. It was cool. Um, so I had an opportunity to do that for about two and a half years. And um, then I went to Murph on the last Murph that actually happened and came back and they had eliminated my job the next day. Um, of course. So yes. That, I remember yeah, that was cool when that happened. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> that's, um, yeah. So then I, ne- I spent the next year as a consultant um, doing what I do. 
Uh, I played around with being a professional maker for a little while, figured out that I'm okay at that, but I don't like chasing the next contract or the next money opportunity. I played yep. around with being in a, a uh, robot mercenary. So like, what is that? <laughs> um, so when you're in industrial automation, there's always a need for more people. Always. There's not enough of us. Mm-hmm. So there's always opportunities. If you know the right people to just show up at a place like an auto manufacturer and work on a robot for a weekend and, make money that's cool yeah Yeah. so i did that a little while and um it was super cool and now i'm at a uh what are we we're a automation slash product development engineering firm with about 10 other guys and um i can work on effectively anything i want as long as it brings in money And um, right now I'm working on really, really big 3D printers. Uh, You saw some pictures of the the stuff that they make. Uh, They make like... uh, The build areas are measured in tens of feet. Uh, That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. How does... Yeah, just for people who haven't seen... What does that technology kind of look like? Like to what extent you can talk about it or whatever. I don't know what you can talk, but like, how does it work? (laughs) How do you print that big? You, um, man, it is so low tech. It's insane. (laughs) Um, so, uh, I'm trying to think of like how much is NDA and how much isn't. And this this is part of the problem of like a lot of the stuff I do. It's behind NDA walls. Okay, so there is a public video. If you Google U.S. Army 3D printing, uh, I think barracks or B letter B hut, you can see a video of the first generation printer. Awesome! Uh, I will pop a link is, to that in the description. That is is, uh, <laughs> is public knowledge. So awesome. Yeah, it is as low tech as it gets. Uh, let me tell you, um, there is not a lot that's special about it other than it's huge. Uh, okay. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it cool. It is. It's super cool. And it's exciting because I got I was like I was on the team that conceptualized this. And then um, that team got disbanded right before I quit caterpillar and then i like by happenstance ended up back on a different team that didn't even know the first team existed to do this and it's you know it's kind of like kind of like a fate thing i think yeah and it all it all rolls back into like what i do as a hobby like all of it it resulted from me building silly CNC machines and 3D printers. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, so cool. And I mean, it makes sense that when you're engaged with something, you do it really well. And yeah, it just makes perfect sense. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Sorry. Just sinking in. <laughs> <laughs> no. I wanted, uh, oh, sorry. No, you go. <laughs> no, 
You're sure. Go ahead. Okay. I was going to I was going to ask, can we talk a little bit more about the textiles you were making just because my personal interest is a lot in textiles. What what we was it a form of rayon or like just because you said it was natural based, right? Like how So what was that? More. Um, I want more. <laughs> I have six more months on my NDA. So let's oh, see. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, so everything is natural fiber based cotton mm-hmm. hemp um etc cetera, etc cetera. and there is a chemical process done to it and on the other side it acts more like um a monofilament mm-hmm. or um a synthetic fiber yeah so uh, i know so that's how roughly how rayon is made but or tensile or yeah, rayon still has, um, I think it has polypropylene in it. That's oh, does it? it? I had no idea. I think so. Oh, rayon okay. Good rayon to know. has some synthetics to it. Oh, uh, okay. This on the other side is still completely natural. Nice. And now uh, the company has pivoted some to making synthetic leather products. Um, cool. Yeah, and like it was frustrating because those like 2D... Uh, products like that were what I came to the company to work on. And then right when they pivoted to work on that, that was when they were like, well, Joe's Joe doesn't need to be here anymore. Mm, so but it's cool. Uh, <laughs> it resulted in, in me uh, learning a whole bunch about myself and uh, it all worked out for the best. So it's fine. Sometimes that's the way of it, but oh. I still have stock in the company. I think it, yeah, um, having a, a plant-based sort of alternative to leather is so cool because cattle is so destructive to the environment. Um, well, yeah. yeah, and every other leather in existence is oil-based. And yeah, yeah. So it's a really big deal because our petroleum dependence is huge. Um, and uh, the CEO always used to say, uh, we'll, we'll never get the last barrel of oil in existence on the earth because it'll be too expensive by then. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, we'll see. It's a, ah, it's a weird, very cool. weird thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, um, you said that when you were working Caterpillar, you were already trying to work out filtration systems and stuff for your cichlids, which are fish, if anyone doesn't know. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and so what, have you always been a maker, like since you were really young, or did that develop over time? Since I was young. Um, you know, I, did something inspire you, or like where did it come from? Uh, <laughs> my grandpa was an electrical engineer, and um, he actually put some of the first CNC machines that existed in Caterpillar. Um, wow. you know, they were based on like vacuum tubes and relays and stuff. Uh, so wow. when I started building CNC <laughs> machines in my garage, he was just like, what are you doing? That's not possible. Um, I have this really funny memory of him uh, coming to my house on my birthday. And I, for the last, forever years i've taken the week of my birthday because it's thanksgiving week usually oh cool off and uh built a machine that week or like finished like focused on a project for that week and that was my 
first largish format CNC router that I had ever built was building it that weekend. And he just kind of looked at me like I was an idiot when I told him what I was doing. <laughs> and then he came over later that week and I'd made him a little plaque on it. And he was just like, I, I'm blown away, blown away. That's awesome. So oh, that must've been so cool. <laughs> it was, it really was. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I remember I was six and um, I got my first hammer from my aunt. I still have that hammer. Uh, so I, I've built things and taken things apart for as long as I can remember. Um, my dad and I, uh, when it was my dad's weekend, I we would just like go to the lumber yard and you know, buy like $100 in lumber and come home and build ramps for skateboards and That's um, awesome. you know, stuff like that. So I, I've always had that going on around me and in me um yeah that's super cool yeah it's it's surprising how many people have family who support them and stuff like it oh what you look like you lit up are you gonna say no, something no I was just setting up. <laughs> reminding i myself. need to do that too actually <laughs> if i sit down too long i start yawning because i like i like hunch and then i don't know squish my lungs or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> um when you when you like have time, like you were talking about over Thanksgiving to like sit and focus on a, pro a project, what is your creative process like? Like where do you draw your inspiration and how do you work through your problems? Like what does that look like for you? I read your questions and this was the one that was hard for me. Um, <laughs> we can skip it. if <laughs> No, no, it, uh, it was, it was a good thought exercise. I don't know. Um, you know, usually there's either an end goal, uh, you know, I want a machine that does X or, um, you know, through like some organic process, I have ended up on a tangent that needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and, you know, when I get time to do it all, I think like this last year and a half, I've really developed more of a process uh, because before it was always just like, oh, well, I need a, uh, we'll, we'll take the, the massive, which was my giant Z CNC or 3D printer, for example. And it was like, well, I need a project for Murph. And I just quit Lulzbot and it was like three weeks until Murph. And I was like, all right, I need a project. Went in the garage found a bunch of crap and was like, we can build a machine out of this. And um, the end goal of that was I wanted a machine that served no real purpose, but would start a conversation. So I built. Yeah, well, you a, definitely did that because I heard about it, even though I never went to math. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear yeah. about it from me? No, I don't think so. I don't think uh, so. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> so I built a 3D printer that had a 12 inch by 12 inch by eight foot tall build area. And yep. <laughs> in like three weeks. And it, it wasn't a good printer, um, but it, it printed one rocket and it printed it well. And um, we printed a seven and a half foot tall base plane in 14 hours. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. How was, was the nozzle big? What what was how did you make that happen? That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't realize it was so quick. <laughs> yeah, so um I 
modified a 1.2 millimeter volcano nozzle to be two millimeters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remachined the nozzle. So it had a flat to like smooth everything out. Mm-hmm. So we could do uh, two millimeter laser layer heights with a two and a half millimeter layer width. And yeah. um, then we put a huge stepper motor on a Titan and we're printing. I never did the volumetric calculation, but uh, the we we're doing spiral vase at like 100 millimeters per second. And to get PLA to flow through it, we were printing it at 290. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. That was what I could do without modifying firmware. <laughs> Otherwise, we yeah. would have gone hotter. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. Yeah. I didn't realize it was so quick. That's astounding. <laughs> wow. The even yeah. scarier part was I finished wiring the machine on Saturday night at Murph at like 1130. And right. um, they kick us out at midnight. So uh, right uh, right before midnight, John was coming around and telling everybody that they needed to leave. And I was like, John, let me click print and see the first layer go down. And he's like, when the lights go out, I'm locking the doors. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, we, we clicked print. I, I set my laptop up with a webcam that I could access from my phone. And we just watched and hoped we didn't burn the building down. Um, oh my god! You know, you say that, but I feel like there's a lot of that that happens at Murph. I don't feel like oh I'm god. the only one that's ever done this. <laughs> and uh, we showed up the next day, and the rocket was four feet tall, and there was like four wraps of filament on the three kilogram roll. Wow! So, Just in be- time. <laughs> yeah, it became a mad scramble. Like, who's got a roll of filament we can buy? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow that's awesome i love my it my bu- buddies came through and brought us another roll of filament oh that's good but, but anyway the design process of that was i have a problem here's the crap <laughs> i have to solve it file new in fusion and um you know fight through that for a few days and then fix all the problems that i didn't catch in cad on the fly. Um, it's a bad process that I don't recommend anybody do. <laughs> uh, but it works. <laughs> it did work. Uh, it has served me uh, serviceably. <laughs> I won't say well and I won't say bad because I usually get the problems solved. Um, the This thing, the milk crate, has yes. been a whole different design process. Um, I've like made really good lists with like post-it notes in my notebook. Awesome. And... Oh, you're a fan of the dot grid too. I am a dot grid fan as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm a fan of post-it notes on the dot grid. Um, mm. Mostly because I can make lists upon lists upon lists and then <laughs> check them off. Like, I have found this has been the year of, of me trying to get organized and I am Okay, so I found three things. I'm all about lists. Lists on my phone do me no good. Mm. Lists in my notebook are they're it's like this sense of permanence that they, it holds me to them versus my phone. I can just swipe the notification away and then I forget that it's there. 
But this, yeah. like, every time I open my notebook, it's there. It's in my face. I'm like, ah, oh, God, I need to make hinges for this stupid thing. So, <laughs> yep. But the other thing is, and um, I went to a talk uh, from Jay Pearson from uh, Pearson Precision or Pearson Manufacturing. They make work holding for uh, CNC machines at a trade show a couple of years ago. And he was talking about how he does so much now. Like He started his company and started CNC machining so he could ride his mountain bike more instead of going to work. Um, huh. You know, and it, it's turned into like this huge industry and he still wants to ride his mountain bike. So he's try always trying to find ways to save time. And he found that writing things down and making lists freed his mind to not deal with the minutiae. It's like, you know, it makes sense, but I feel like if I write it down, I'm still going to have it in my head. And he was 100% right. Like the minute I write it down, it's not in my head anymore. Yeah. I, I know it's there, but I know it's there and I don't have to remember that it's what it is. I just, I know in my list, there's all the things I have to do and I don't have to think about those things anymore. It makes them so much 100%. less pressing and freeing and it's been incredible to find that and you know it's it's still a process to keep up with it and remember that they go i i do need to check my list but to know that it's it's there i just you know try every couple days to just go through my notebook and make sure that all my check boxes have x's in them mm -hmm. so you and do a bit of a bullet journal kind of deal then with the kinda. check boxes and stuff like a I, I tried to do the bullet journal thing and like it was too much to remember. Like there was, yeah. there's all the things. There's all rules. Yeah, yeah. I don't do the full thing either, but I do the checkboxes. Like that was awesome for me. <laughs> like making yeah. notes and then having checkboxes next to anything I actually had to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the table of contents in the front of the journal. I do that yep. because like, yep, yep. I have a lot of things I need to think about. But it, it's so true though. Like writing it down, it's like you're freeing up your RAM. And not yeah. using it like storage memory, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. You right. instead, put it instead of caching it, we're yeah. putting it in the hard drive and forgetting it's there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. I completely agree. And it doesn't sound like it would do much, but it really does. And like, if you're lying awake at sleep at night, if you have like a pen and notepad, you can just scroll things down. It's like then you can sleep because you're not just turning it over and over in your head. And yeah, I totally yeah. agree, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I really want to find bullet journal post-it notes. Like I have Ooh, grid post-its an and idea. these are guys, but I yeah. want bulleted post-its so I can put yeah. the, the post-its in my bullet journal because I found these little notebooks. They're 5.7 by eight and a half. And I like them because they're, they're spiral. So they flip like easily. Unlike all the journals that have bindings and mm -hmm. they're a like craft paper cover. So I can laser etch the cover Sorry. and like make them look like whatever oh um, yeah of course lovely yeah and but they, there's not very many pages in them so i hate mm. to burn pages with lists that can be on post-it notes so yeah that's become a thing i've and started using a, a binder like a six ring i have it here actually this is my my binder and so I can move the pages around and there's like sections for different stuff, like videos or like social stuff or whatever. Oh, wow. And I also, I also found, um, uh, stone paper, they call it, but it's just reusable paper. It's like made out of a polymer 
and uh, gypsum, I think. And um, anyway, you can just wash it under the tap. So I write oh. a lot of lists that I know aren't permanent on this. So like things I know I'll just do in a day or whatever, yeah. they, they get taken down on here and then I just go and wash them all eventually. Because <laughs> like you write with a pen, you write with a, like a friction pen, like a, an erasable okay. pen, and then you can just wash them off, which is what I've started doing. But yeah, I like being able to organize them into sections. But I do find also that sometimes if I don't flip to that section, I don't necessarily remember I need to do that thing. So part of me is like, should I go back to the journal where i do actually have to flick through and notice the things or or keep it this way i'm kind of yeah i've tried it i've tried it both ways and i feel like none is quite perfect for me but i'm liking the six ring binder thing <laughs> yeah yeah well and, like, you'll probably get used to it and like mm. I, you know i find the more that i do it the better i've gotten about like sitting down and writing it down it, the the sleep thing i usually fill out all my lists before i go to bed and it's like all right, now I'm going to crash. And it's it's been so helpful this year. I, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy what it does. <laughs> yeah. I, I love organization techniques, and I think I've been on a similar journey to you because, like, this craft room that I'm sitting in right now is a huge example of it. When I was growing up and for most of my life, anywhere that I was creative, anywhere that I owned, like my bedroom or whatever, was – literally just piled with stuff like like a hoarder like i would have to there were little goat trails through it where i could get from one end to the other or whatever or pick out the supplies i wanted to use to make my next project and um it's not like that anymore <laughs> it's yeah. quite orderly and and it's been a bit of a journey and i i'm gonna make a video about it i i put some i put some like what should i make a video about up oh, ideas and that came out the top by far oh, and i'm yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I, I voted for it. Oh, you did? Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's, I've done the script and um, yeah, I just got to work out and make sure that it's in the right order and everything because it's kind of like a bunch of tips, but I also want it to flow in a, some sort of sense because yeah, it's just kind of this weird reflection piece of me having gone. Anyway, I'm rambling, but yeah, there's a lot to it. It's not a natural thing to just be organized or it wasn't for me. Maybe it is for some people, but it's it same for me. Like, I my office was a huge mess. My garage is a huge mess. And you know, as I get more organized with like the journal thing, I'm slowly getting my space organized. And it's so freeing to not have to wade through piles of shit to get anything done. Yeah, um, yeah. And just having everything so efficient, you can just grab it and do it. Because I would tell people, I know where everything is in my piles of crap, but reflecting back on it, I really didn't like, and it took me so long to wade through, pick out all the little bits from all the different places that they were, wherever the last abandoned project was, and then put them together. And then I'd forget something and come be darting in and out. And I wouldn't be able to actually use the space. I'd have to take to the living room or something because there was no room in the space. So like, yeah, yes. it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm exactly the same. And it's killing me because I see it in my kids. My, my kids' spaces are like this too. And I'm just like, guys, you got to be clean. You got to like get orderly. And then I go down into my space and I'm just like, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. Um, <laughs> but I'm telling you this because it's for your own good and you hate me for it. And I hated my dad and I hated, you know, uh, but if you listen <laughs> and get this figured out now, uh, it will save you years of heartache. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think I've found ways to make it easier for myself too, like so that it isn't a chore to tidy up. Because I, like, this just happens now. I don't think about it. It just happens because I think I set it up in a way that makes it really easy to maintain and that actually compensates or allows for my randomness and stuff mm-hmm. to happen and all that. So. Yeah, I hope I hope if I share these things, they'll help other people. I'll get them out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My problem is yeah. excess. Like when I get really into something, I get like all the stuff, mm-hmm. and having all the stuff results in lots of stuff, and lots of stuff results in chaos, and um, it's not good. I, I always used to, and you know, people say the. Uh, your workspace reflects your mind, right? And like intelligent people have messy workspaces. And that was always my thing. Like, oh, if my space is messy, I must be smart. And um, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's, I can't brute force it anymore. You know, for the longest time, I could just push through anything that came my way. And this year has really shown me what my limit is. And, mm. um, I still need to be able to do more. So the way I'm hoping that I can result in being able to do more is to do less of the minutia and have all of that stuff just done um, mm-hmm. and not have to focus on it. So I can focus on the things that matter. So hundred percent with you. Yeah. I think it's a good journey to make. It yeah. will, I promise you it feels better at the other end. <laughs> Yeah, I know you're probably through it right now. You're moving offices and everything. And yeah, yeah, it, it feels, feels better the closer I get. So I can only mm. imagine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, I wanted to jump back a bit because you mentioned the milk crate and it is behind you. And please talk more about it because it's the cutest CNC I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> show us uh, around. <laughs> uh, this is my baby CNC router. Um, so. All right, where does this start? Okay, so um, this machine was born out of frustration. Um, um, so, you know, I started this machine before the Bontem desktop CNC was announced. Uh, but this was kind of built out of like frustration with the carbide um the nomad or the car v or like all the little desktop cnc machines the 3018 um yeah they're all good in their own way uh like the nomad is a really good machine but um they all have limitations that i didn't i wasn't a fan of and i really wanted a super portable um kind of like sandbox cnc machine to just be able to play with, to try different controllers out on. I'm a huge fan of Linux CNC, uh, but I also wanted to play with like some of the newer versions of Gerbil, like Gerbil HAL and the ESP32 version and the Acorn CNC controls. There's a whole bunch of really fun stuff coming out. I wanted something that I could very easily and low cost um, play with and not like disrupt the workflow on my four by eight CNC or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, so this thing was born. Um, <laughs> it is a 
295 millimeter by 220 millimeter uh, by about 60 or 70 Z work area. Um, and it is buildable with a table saw and an Ender 3. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot easier to build if you have a CNC router available to you. But um, the idea was like if you have those two things, which a lot of people have access to through makerspaces or their own house or their friends, um, you know, you could get started on your CNC journey. And um, it's built out of a uh, steel tube with MGN 12 rails, uh, both on the X axis and the Y axis. And the <laughs> rest of the machine is all 3d printed plates. Um, these, the rail placement and everything on the steel tube is done with 3d printed jigs um, and uh, center punching. And um, it's fully enclosed when it's completely done. Uh, I have done cuts with it completely closed, and it's super fun because like, all the dust stays in here. Um, that is perfect. That's what I need. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's really quite capable. Um, so this was the second aluminum part that I machined on. Oh, wow. Um, oh, and, uh, you know, it does a really really good job for what it is. Its main limitation right now is the fact that I'm using a trim router. Um, if I A hate... trim router like a normal one that you would just buy at a hardware store? Like a yeah. Uh, so this, wow. this is currently sized for uh, like the Makita trim router or uh, this is the um, Carbide Create trim router. Uh, so it's the one that comes in like the shape Boko. I've also been playing with the one that Open builds just recent really recently released. Um, and the horsepower is the main limitation of the machine. The deflection from the 3D printed plates is a non-issue. And it's uh you know, th these parts came out within uh 50 microns of being on size. Wow. Uh, nice. with no I haven't done any sort of like uh steps per millimeter calibration or anything. It just you know, the huh, awesome. uh, lead screw should be 200 millimeter or 200 steps per whatever. And uh, that's what I put in and that's where it is. Um, awesome. Wow. Yeah. So I've iterated on it like three times now. Uh, the next iteration should be the last one where we actually finally release the stupid thing. And um, I was going to ask, how can yeah. I do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be an open source project. Um, I'm not planning on like turning this into a product. Uh, there is a potential of some people selling a panel kit for it. Uh, we'll see. Um, but you know, the, the idea is that it will be a community supported open source project and um, just be a fun little first CNC thing that will help you guys mm -hmm. grow. Um, this will make most of the parts that I used to build my four by eight CNC router. So they it's, it's a build area that's big enough to help you build your next machine, which is yeah. how I eventually got to a four by eight. I built a little rock lift. Then I built a bigger rock lift with using that one. Then I built a two foot by four foot machine using the bigger rock lift. And then I used the two foot by four foot machine to build the four foot by eight foot machine. And 
you know, that, that iteration is what got me to where I am. It started with a machine, the build area of this one. So gotcha. it's, uh, it's an awesome little machine. It's super stout, super stiff. People have asked me about the plywood box. The plywood box isn't a problem. Uh, the 3D printed plates, everything on it's printed out of PETG. Uh, so you don't need anything special. Um, you know, printing it out of nylon would be better, but like you don't have to. Um, yeah, it's this whole project is built to be accessible and to be, you know, to, to give you your, your first steps and not be intimidating. Um, that is yeah. really exciting because like I have been looking at CNC and lasers and going, Oh, they look so cool, but also mega intimidating because <laughs> like I came from a relatively non-technical background, like the, the mechanical and electrical stuff. I know, I know because I've had to troubleshoot 3d printers and stuff. So it's like I'm right. from nothing pretty much. Um, like, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I'm really excited about this because that looks like something, you know, with the community and stuff around it, that I could get into and actually make work. And that's very I, I exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the most intimidating part of CNC is cam. Um, you know, and nobody's made cam that much easier yet. Uh, things like easel and uh, the open builds control software, like those things have made it a little more accessible and they're perfectly usable on this machine. Um, is the cam the tool pathing? Just so that yeah. I... Yeah, it's yeah, like the okay. slicer yeah. of CNC. Yeah. computer-rated yeah. main machining or manufacturing. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it also the same cam that I use to program like big, huge industrial machines, I can program this with. So there's like cool. a job skill thing that comes out of all this. And, mm. and that's super powerful. So, yeah. Wow, I'm kind of seeing this almost like you could do like a multi-week workshop at Makerspaces and stuff, teaching people how to make one. Is that... You're nodding like this has already occurred to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eric Sutterberg and I have talked about it a little bit. Um, he's already started like thinking of ways to modify the design to make it even more accessible for the workshops. Mm -hmm. um, I've done those with 3D printers. I'm not sure I want to do them with this, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm also not sure I don't. Um, I'm just really yeah. busy at the moment, and that's probably why that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a there's a makerspace here in Brisbane um, that's government funded, which is pretty cool. Um, they might be interested in something like that. I don't know. Maybe I can yes. connect the dots. And yeah, and because um, they yeah. have they have a few CNC machines, and yeah, this would be a they, their huge thing is about getting people into it and empowering them to go with their right. own way, basically. Um, and this yeah. has some like forced skill acquisition. Like, mm -hmm. um, it forces you to drill and tap steel. Like that's yeah. not a big deal, but people think of it as such a show stopping skill. Like, so you, you have to do that like a mm -hmm. hundred times <laughs> on this. Yeah. It's, okay. And it's not a big deal. Um, you know, you, laying out wood for like angle cuts and stuff on a table saw. It's intimidating yeah. until you do it. And the project kind of forces you into it. And then when you're done, you now have that skill in your skill toolbox. And the next time you need it, you're like, oh, well, you know, when I built the milk crate, I did this and this and it worked or it didn't. And now I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll do this. Um, you know, the 3D printed jigging and tooling that all this does. It, 
I use my 3D printers constantly to enable things that aren't 3D printed. Mm-hmm. Um, my yes. big CNC was all 3D printed jigging and punches uh, to be able to do plates and things for uh, processes that I didn't have big enough tools to do. Uh, and it enabled me to do all that. So this, there's so much forced skill acquisition in this project that um, you know, when you're done, you'll be so much more capable even beyond just having a CNC machine. Yeah. Wow. I love it. I love it from the learning opportunity. Yeah. It's awesome. Ah, I'm decided I'm going to build one. This is too cool. (laughs) I need one. I've been wanting one for such a long time and this just seems perfect. And the way you can enclose it and everything too, like perfect. It's still loud. Um, (laughs) I have a shed. I'm lucky. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like one of the things with the trim routers that kills me is I have a water cooled spindle on my CNC. Like, this thing's loud when it cuts and these, like as soon as you turn them on, like, I forgot how loud routers are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it'll, yeah. It'll be fine, but it does such a good job. Um, it makes yeah. Really they're awesome. They're beautiful. Oh, well done. Thank you oh. for making it open source and sharing with everyone and all that. Like that is a beautiful thing. Ah, <laughs> that's what makes our community great is we're constantly willing to share. Oh, that's that is the one thing I think that's held like the laser cutting and the CNC community back some. I was gonna it's, say that, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of gatekeepy, and um, there's you know there's more people making money in that industry than there is in the 3D printers world. Like people don't buy a thirty thousand dollars CNC mill to goof around in their garage. Mm. Most, most people, um, but people buy a thousand dollars or 3d printer to goof around in their garage. So it's a different mindset. Um, and I, I want to see more projects like this. This is something that Matt and I talk about all the time is mm, I was going to say it's something Matt's pretty passionate about. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Matt Stoltz is who yeah. we're talking about. Follow him on Twitter. He's great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and the, even the sharing of, projects you can do with it like there's no thingiverse or prusaprinters.org of of cnc or laser really like there's a couple of little ones but they're not like it is with three 3d printing yeah or they're like really focused around a machine um Mm. like the the maslow has the maslow gardens and um i think shape oko has a one around theirs or inventables one of the two has one around theirs and they're really focused on the machine and they said they shared like project specific files for the cam software they use rather than sharing like DXFs or something mm-hmm. that is um, DXF sort of like 2D CAD that it's cuttable on a router or a laser. Yeah. Um, like an SVG almost. Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, I'd really like to see somebody build the router verse. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's a job for somebody that's better at software than me. <laughs> Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> if you're that person, we should talk. Uh, I have ideas. So <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Hit him up. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh, what have we talked about? Oh, Things. are there any projects that you've had over the years that you think like should have been like you thought they were really cool and they didn't get the attention you thought they should have? Like, is there anything you want to show off? Give it a second chance out in the the inter world <laughs> uh, there's a whole bunch 
uh but nothing that i'm like especially like we, we should revisit this project like most of them are I'm like i we're better we're better off that that didn't see the light of day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> i like asking the question because sometimes you know sometimes something was just i don't know it was just before it's time or or you know like sometimes th- like you're just really excited about something and it yeah i just like asking the question because sometimes some really cool stuff comes up <laughs> yeah i had a, i had the a first open source machine project called the uh, rcl i4 which is over there on a the corner with some stuff laying on it now um but it was a it was a makerspace centric 3d printer that um uh, was a bed slinger so it was like i4 i3 whatever um this was 2016 four years ago um it used the big box bed it used uh similar leveling to the lulzbot taz 6 um but it it was a cnc routed frame lots of laser cut components on v slot and all the 3d printed parts could fit the build area of one printer um it was really focused mm-hmm. on low part count and being able to build in a couple of class sessions with a, a, a makerspace like you just talked about. And there's uh, 10 of them in existence. I think four of them work. And uh, I learned a lot in that process. The biggest thing I learned is um, a class takes much longer to build something than you focused building it on your bench it takes me about four hours to build one from scratch and it took us i i think that we had 20 hours of class time yeah not surprised yeah (laughs) four of them work uh so um which is what made me hesitant when people have been like oh we should do a class around the milk crate i'm like yeah sure (laughs) i think yeah, like like writing classes is a like yeah, writing learning content is like a whole skill of its own that I don't think is known enough that it's a particular skill that you learn. Oh, like skill as in it's learned, not yeah. not intuitive. And people um, people really yeah. underestimate <laughs> classes. I think they really do. Like just the the ability to transfer knowledge from one person to another is yeah, not intuitive. And I guess we all kind of feel like we should be able to do it because we do tell people stuff all the time and we, mm-hmm. you know, we learned somewhere along the way. So, but the thinking behind it, especially for adults, is kind of involved. Yeah. <laughs> My problem was the social aspect. Um, yes. You know, everybody was super excited to be in the class. A lot of people were friends. Everyone was very excited about the project and wanted to see what everyone else was doing. And there wasn't a lot of like focused time on building the machine. Um mm-hmm. So it, you know, it really kind of fell apart there. And I should have known that was going to come uh, at the time I was. Uh, I just stopped being an adjunct professor at a college. Um, I was a yoga instructor. Like, huh, I knew gosh, what I was getting into teaching things. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I wanted it to be fun and I didn't want to be pushy about it. And, you know, so then the machines didn't get built and that that kind of killed it for me so yeah 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 oh well yeah that's okay i will just times five on whatever it took me to learn to make it if we we ever do a workshop yeah yeah because that would be 
Yes, it is. It is. And, and that whole thing about learning happening in a social context too, not even just them talking to each other, but people comparing themselves to one another and people learning from each other and all that sort of stuff. Like I, I have done some classes like in uni on teaching on like, yeah, treat teaching really. And, um, one of the main lessons from that was that learning happens in a social context and that yeah. you can use that to your advantage. And, and also it can, yeah, derail stuff too. <laughs> so, it can be a serious yeah. detriment or a tool. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Mm. Oh, so cool. I wanted to touch upon it because, um, yeah, we, we've mentioned a few times you've run some maker spaces. Um, what is that like? Um, so I've been out of it long enough to think of it fondly again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's intense. Uh, if you're in any sort of a leadership role and you're taking it seriously, uh, running a makerspace is, it's a whole lot of administrative BS and not a lot of making. Um, mm-hmm. Or it can be if you let it get that way. Um, and I definitely did. The, but it's so empowering. Um, I still, like, I love every moment that we did the makerspace from like the day we decided that like, we're going to try this to um, the day I stopped being uh, a, in a leadership role there. And it's just, all of it was so good. Even the bad times. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause it's, it's so, so fun to be able to uh, look on a space like a maker space that you're part of and, and say like, I helped that person achieve their goal uh, yep. in, in any sort of a fashion, whether it's, you know, today I cleaned the bathroom. So that person had a clean bathroom while they were working on their project or like, you know, today I secured funding for the next six months so we can pay rent. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know those are really fun but then like being able to go to different uh different communities or um you know be on things like this podcast and talk about your maker space and uh promote it and be able to convince people like hey you should come to this thing that i helped do and uh you should pay us money and for that money we will probably not give you much but you can be part of this group of people and <laughs> you know, these this group of people will help you achieve whatever it's it's so much fun um yeah if you're thinking about starting a makerspace you should do it if you're thinking about starting a makerspace for profit you should look at all of the for-profit makerspaces that have existed and I say existed, existed. because there aren't a lot that <laughs> <The still past. laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that melting pot of ideas and people, though, I feel that. Like at the one here in Brisbane that I go to quite regularly, you know, pre- pre-COVID times, though it's open again now because thankfully we're doing quite well here. Um, yeah, it. there are so many people there with such different backgrounds, and no matter what you want to do, there's someone who knows a whole heap about it. At least one person who knows a whole heap about it and will tell you everything there is to know about that thing, which is just, it's wonderful. And I have this, I have this hypothesis that truly brilliant, 
truly creative things happen at that interchange between fields and people's realms of knowledge you know like that's where the really sparkly awesome leap forward stuff happens is when people with really different backgrounds get together and work on something it just comes up with the coolest stuff yeah and And so they're just magical places i think (laughs) and that's what makes makerspaces so powerful is they're they're really empowering to people that have never felt that empowerment before right so Mm. the there i think there's a lot of um possibilities in somebody who has never done something trying something completely out of their realm like an accountant going to invent something because um or like you go weld something or something because they don't know what they shouldn't do so they go try and Like, that's how all the really good discoveries happen, right? It's like, well, I didn't know I shouldn't do that. So I just tried it and it worked. Yeah, like, they're not tempered this... by how it's already done. And yeah, yeah totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I find myself naysaying a lot now. Um, and I really try hard not to. <laughs> I really try to catch myself when I do, because it, when you naysay somebody, you're gatekeeping, you're like, you're taking that empowerment away and it's like that's not what we're here for right we're, we're here to, to help people and we're here to let them grow and to learn on their own and break things or you know figure it out and um, that's where all that learning happens and i'm constantly impressed by the people in our makerspace with like the, the creativity that they have the things they come up with the stuff that they do that i just would never do you know they the other day a guy uh, laser cut like a four foot tall Eiffel Tower. Like, why? But that's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Uh, yeah, but I'm really glad that you did. That's incredible. Um, it was, you know, it, it's always super cool to see the things that people come up with that are so far outside your realm. Mm, totally, I completely agree. Yeah, even though I don't make stuff normally when I go to the maker space, I just love seeing what everyone's up to. Yeah, it's yes. inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We when we started River City Labs, I had every tool I wanted at the time in my garage. So it, starting River City Labs wasn't about like starting a makerspace so I could have access to these things. It was about starting something to give everybody else access to the things that I loved, um, so we could make things together. And for the longest time, for like four years, we didn't have any tools. Nothing worked in our makerspace. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we we went from like a clo- like an idea, uh, and meeting in each other's houses to a, a literal closet, to a four hundred square foot room, to wow. a two story, hundred and twenty year old building, uh, and then like to a commercial building that we're in now. And you know, the first three iterations, like people were paying us dues to just come hang out, and talk about stuff that they wanted to do or the things that they were doing in their own shop. And um, that was really powerful to like, see the, the interest level, even though we weren't able to really offer them anything other than a place to like socialize. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was interesting because I had no idea how social, antisocial people could be when you get them in a group of people like them. Yeah. They don't shut yep. up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yep. 
So. It's like it was all just bubbling, un- bubbling away under there, waiting to come out at the right moment, and you yeah. created the right moment for them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing oh, I will say is um, makerspaces can be a bevy of personnel issues uh, if you're not prepared for it. Uh, because all of those antisocial people or like engineering people were all weird. And that weirdness comes out in some interesting ways sometimes. And it like creates like interpersonal conflicts and all kinds of stuff. So uh-huh. like, if you're going to the makerspace, my advice to anybody is to just please have an open mind about the people that you meet and their intentions. Cause everybody they will be weird. Well. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part. Yeah. And if they don't, and you like tell somebody, most of the time it'll get taken care of. And sometimes they're just like, yeah, that's how Larry is. (laughs) Nobody tries, everyone just tries to like hang out and let him do his thing. And like, you should maybe try that too. Because he doesn't mean terrible. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) It's a hard thing to deal with too. Like, I don't know. I've never run a makerspace, but the the subreddit, I was a very active moderator on there. The Discord is pretty sweet. It kind of takes care of itself. It's got a really healthy thing going on. But the Reddit definitely, yeah, interesting and difficult. And the social stuff was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just like, engineers are, are we really having really this conversation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. I thought, <laughs> thought equality happened a little while ago. And, um, that changed my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it can be really interesting at times. Um, yeah, and and interesting to navigate. But yeah, you, like if you have the right people and who care about that sort of stuff, and when you raise it, they do something about it. It makes it all the much better. And you also educate that person who's yeah being yeah, disruptive that- as to you know potentially why they have very little friends or why they don't have a partner or all these things. You know, you're like maybe consider these things you know and and maybe and and you know it gives it actually teaches them something too hopefully you know hopefully that's the end you don't want to like yeah like on reddit my goal was never ban those awful people my goal was always try and turn those people around so that they live better fuller happier lives because we are social creatures at the end of the day and um i think everyone wants to get along it's just some people don't necessarily know where they're going wrong (laughs) (laughs) My experience with the makerspace is like if you end up with a good community, it will police itself. Exactly. Yeah. We only ended up with one member that we thought we were going to have to kick out, but he quit the night that like the thing happened that we were like, oh God, we got to kick him out. Yeah. Yeah. But later that night, we got his email of like, I'm canceling my membership. And we're like, oh, thank God. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That problem fixed itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think in real life, it's it's harder to be as awful as people that can be on Reddit. Um, that guy well. managed it. Wow. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. I'm not even exaggerating. Like, take take the worst of Reddit, and that was that was that dude. Oof. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, I know we're really only scratching the surface that who you are and what you do. But is there anything else you want to talk about today? Tonight, um, whatever time it is. <laughs> no, I, I'd say like, probably like the biggest thing that I've found 
like over the years that has helped me mm. is uh networking like it's really like you, like you asked the project that i didn't that never really got noticed um you know what there is one i did a really cool fan shroud and mount for the Hamera for the lulz bots and it didn't get near the attention i wanted do you have some links but, um, we'll pop them in the description <laughs> <laughs> it was it was cool and i worked hard on that anyway um the biggest thing is like it's not what you know but it's who you know like that that saying like that mm-hmm. has been kind of massive for me uh, and it it helps that like i've done things too uh but being that kind of social in the right times in the right places and uh always go to the after party that's like like my biggest tip if you want to like get to know more people and grow your community always go to the after party and there's Love always it. an after party like trade shows and all that stuff it's you're never done at three o'clock you're yeah that is that's the biggest thing nobody grows their community or nobody grows their network like on the floor you know it's always with a slice of pizza and a beer in your hand later or like yeah you know when you become proper friends like yeah. yeah 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 i've i've ended up in some very strange conversations after things like murph or imts which is the international machine tool show it's very strange um you know but they have often resulted in future opportunities uh that are still playing out um and you know resulted in future employment opportunities and like that that network and like always being friendly and um following up and working to be insightful it plays so much into that mm-hmm. everybody remembers the asshole and yeah not fondly yeah so yeah that's that's the biggest thing <laughs> yeah well i totally agree like i don't get many opportunities to go to after parties in this sort of realm <laughs> i don't think i've been to after parties since i was in the theater actually now that i think about it <laughs> But yeah, I don't get any opportunities being in Australia, basically. But yeah, totally agree with just making connections with people and not being afraid to just talk to people. Like, I just talk to people all the time on Twitter. I'm just like, hello. (laughs) And just talk to them like they're already your friend. And like, pretty much that day, you can become friends. Like, (laughs) within a couple of hours, really. It doesn't take long to make a new friend. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And remembering that everybody's human. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah staying humble mm. like, it that's a hard one right like really i think you do that too much <laughs> you don't talk enough about how cool you are <laughs> well and that's the thing like i i um i deal really really hard with like imposter syndrome like i'm constantly just like why are we doing this podcast who am i you know um wh- who why why are we doing the this youtube show or why are we doing these like who am i to be doing this stuff right um but then also like you have to like remember that 
uh, fire performance taught me this. It, you don't ever have to be nervous when you're going out in front of people or like public speaking or whatever, because those people are there to see you. Like, there's a reason you got brought into that. Mm-hmm. So go do that thing. You know, be the expert in whatever it is, or be the performer for the situation. Um, but you know, also everybody remembers the asshole, like you know, being be kind. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Parting thoughts. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it, and I totally agree. Like, yeah, definitely, 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 and I think. Like you said, there's a lot of antisocial people in in this sphere of making, and it's a good message to give them to just be like, don't be afraid to chat to people because yeah, yeah, they probably also want people to talk about their passions with, you know, <laughs> like you want to yeah, talk, I, they probably do too. <laughs> yeah, I, I've made a lot of friends with people that I didn't think I was going to make friends with by just being human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Beautiful. <laughs> well, what's next for you in the next couple of months? We've got the milk crate. Oh, yes. oh. Um, <laughs> so uh, I don't like jinxing things. Um, okay. Like, this often hurts me because like, I don't talk enough about the things, the opportunities that I've gotten and like the things that I've done. Uh, but it's looking very much like I may be a beta tester for a robot pretty soon. Um, that's exciting. What kind of robot? Uh, Tormach. Um, <gasps> Tormach came out just launching a robot arm in June. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, exciting. if everything goes to play and I'll have that later this week. Um, <gasps> and also potentially a mill. Uh, so like, Ooh. You know, when we talk about like big things changing in my shop and like moving my office, I am also having to like move machines out so I can move machines in. And this is huge wow. for me because um, it gets a really big upscale in my capabilities in my shop. But also, um, oh, this is the other piece of advice. Uh, if, when you have opportunities for networking, like this kind of goes into the after party, don't pass them up. Like, um, so that, you know, I've been given the opportunity to do this beta test thing, and this is a really big networking opportunity for me. So I'm going to do my best to not suck. Um, <laughs> you won't. It'll be awesome. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. That's so exciting. That's so exciting. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, you know, like, like I said earlier, this when I was in research robotics, uh, that led me to this opportunity. So a guy I worked with in the research community introduced me to um, the CEO of Tormach, and we've been uh, discussing this for like two years now uh, in like various other projects. And you know now we're finally at this point, and like it's going to pay off. So <sighs> that's awesome. Hopefully, um, and then other future things, um, makers on tap is starting YouTube stuff. Uh, I so, saw that. 
It's so yeah. exciting. <laughs> so we did our first video that turned out really bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't. You seem to have lots of technical difficulties, though, which is a thing. This this show is so cursed. There's <laughs> so much editing that goes on because every time there are huge technical issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll get past those, and so will we. Uh, we already bought new <laughs> microphones, and um, so then the next episode we're doing on between two makers is uh, the Daedalus. Uh, <gasps> yes, we'll, we'll be. Uh, not reviewing, but discussing. I don't want to get into this review world, uh, but I have really strong opinions about things and I'm going to share them. Uh, but the Daedalus <laughs> is like awesome. Um, yeah. It's incredible. It's stupid fast, like six times faster than the printer that's sitting next to it. That's also a wow. more expensive. Uh, so. Wow. Awesome. Oh, uh, I will definitely be watching that because, yeah. I love Joseph. He's awesome. And, and the Daedalus is amazing. Like, yeah. Beautiful, we beautiful printer. We hung out this morning and it was great. Yes. That's um, awesome. <laughs> and what else is new? Those are the big things. Um, the, the milk crate's going to be a big launch. Um, well, writing the documentation is going to be a big chunk of time. Uh, yeah. But I have uh, some really awesome people helping me with that. Uh, Aaron Peterson from Makers on Tap and Adam Hiley of Dread Dreadmaker Adam on Twitter uh, are both helping awesome me do documentation people. for it. That's and um, you know, they're keeping me on task, which is like real helpful. Uh, being good friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we need that. We need that. Us yeah. ADHD types. <laughs> we well, need someone to sort of I mean, out a little bit <laughs> it, it's well past the point where i normally give up on projects so um the fact that i'm like still doing it and still excited about it is a really big deal um, yeah. i've solved the problems it, it's a functional machine it's way past done for me um so the fact that we're like still pushing on this and banging on it is pretty cool that's awesome oh i'm so excited for you that's awesome yeah. where can people follow where can people follow you I, your work the things are involved in <laughs> um, Twitter. I am Joe Spanier makes and Instagram. I am nemesis dot robotics. Those are probably Ooh. the two main ones to follow. Um, and then also makers on tap uh, on both Twitter and Instagram and, and, and YouTube now. Yeah. Yeah. And YouTube. Um, and then keep an eye on my Instagram and probably our YouTube in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'll be posting lots of stuff as machines come and shop changes. Uh, yeah. So. Heck yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And I've started asking this question too. Are there any communities that you're a part of that have been really helpful to you that you'd like to just say are really cool that maybe other people might be interested in? Um, so River City Labs actually has a five dollar membership to our slack wow. uh, and that has been that's massive we've got people all over the world on our slack uh that have been really great um the makers on tap discord is a really awesome super supportive place uh we've got a channel for the milk crate going now we've got a channel for uh tool changing 3d printers and then our mot and friends channel is just a constant thread of support and uh 
also heckling, which is just ultra fun. <laughs> um, and uh, you know the the Friday night maker calls that you and I are a part of with Matt have been massive, uh, both with the people that I've met and just like the support you guys give. Like, it's a really awesome community to be a part of, and um, yeah, those are. I think those are the main ones that are still active. Yeah. So. Awesome. 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 Yeah. That's Matt Stoltz's call. We mentioned him earlier. He announces it on Twitter every Friday and it's totally open and it's a zoom call. It's not streamed. You can just join. Um, yep. yeah, you just have to sign up each week and yes, I totally agree. Awesome. Awesome. I don't know what I would have done this year without that community, like kept me going. I think <laughs> it's kept yeah. a lot of people going. I feel bad. Cause I always called in late and, <laughs> You have like, kids to but, put to bed and stuff. Like. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's every everybody's superhuman. I keep saying that, but it's it's a really big deal to remember that like all the people, all the makers, everybody that you follow on on the world, they hide it well, but they're all humans too, with their own <laughs> yeah. struggles and their own problems, and they're still doing stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I yeah I've cried kids. on that call before. <laughs> yeah, I'm still and doing stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you should do stuff too. <laughs> yeah. Do stuff too. Should we do the makers on tap exit? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you do it. Well, what should we do it on three? All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Billy. This has been a ton thank of fun. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Uh, I'm finally repaying the favor. <laughs> it's fun to be on the other side of the microphone. I. It makes me feel less bad about rambling uh that's what you're here for that's what we're all here for yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right and it's been awesome <laughs> keep making stuff keep making stuff <laughs> thank you joe <laughs> i am loving making this series and if you are too please support me on patreon so i can keep making more top supporters will appear in this list of legends and the topmost supporter gets a special shout out so Thank you, Loyal Moses. You are absolutely wonderful. I know you don't only support me, but so many others in the community, and you're awesome for it. Thank you. You can meet another maker here, and here's a video YouTube thinks you'll like. If you want to catch up with any of us, all our socials are in the description below. See you later!